welcome to the Codeplay Culture Podcast, where we discuss tech, gaming, health, and the world around us. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting, amazing episode, uh, Codeplay Culture Podcast, Rui and Logan, uh, we are joined by our first guest ever, um, and you know, what a guest to have, um, Carl, uh, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hi, Carl. And hey. And so Carl is a resident um, enthusiast, evangelist, hobbyist of all things blockchain and crypto. And uh, I myself am no, no, not too much about it other than the Azure stuff. Uh, Rui, I mean, you've dabbled in a little bit here and there. Um, but That's a little uh, bit, yeah. You, like, like, do you, do you know anything uh, about like the like deep, like how deep people can get in that kind of stuff? Well, I know how people can get financially deep in holes because of that stuff. And I know, I know all about that. Yeah. That's, that's the extent of my, my blockchain knowledge. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, so Carl, like blo- blockchain as a concept, it, it has nothing to do with crypto. Is that correct? I would say, um, yes and no. Right. It, okay. It's 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 not a it's not such a cut and dry um, technology that you can just look at it and and understand it very quickly. And the terminology, I think, a, like I think a lot of things in in IT and tech, the terminologies are ambiguous. Like I'll give you an example. You know, like cloud can mean a lot of different things, and virtualization mm-hmm. is probably even more of a. Um, you know, call it an abused term where everything's virtualized, right? Right. Um, yeah. And so what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean to have a virtual network or virtual servers? Like, so, you know, with the way I look at blockchain and, and the actual currencies, the cryptocurrency, like the monetary, the trading, um, the investment aspect of it is break it down and look at how blockchain is, is consumed in like Azure or AWS. And then there's other projects, um, uh, which honestly, I haven't looked in in quite a while, but Hedera and ICP, which is, is the Internet Computing Protocol. And mm. those projects, uh, with the last time I looked at it, you could purchase their you know, compute and storage on their blockchains without using cryptocurrency. You could use a credit card. And just like in mm. Azure or AWS, you can purchase blockchain services using a credit card or or you know, if you're using, if you're buying through a reseller, then you do it on that 30 terms. So mm-hmm. the actual, yeah, the, the cryptocurrency is, it's still in play. So the, the companies that are allowing you to purchase with a credit card, they're using the crypto tokens in the back end, right? And then that gets in that, to that space. So what's, what is a cryptocurrency and what's a crypto token? Well, they're all called cryptocurrencies. Because as an example, Hedera or ICP have cryptocurrencies, but um, that currency is not used, their currency is not used as a currency, it's used as a token. So mm-hmm. this is where like the terminology starts to confuse a lot of people when they're, when they're still new to, to blockchain and crypto. And right. unfortunately, I think it's just the nature of any new tech when people might read a few articles or listen to a few podcasts of people talking about it and they they if people are talking about cryptocurrency there's the assumption that that's all it is it's cryptocurrency and then when you ed- try and educate those people that 
like these are some of them are used as tokens, very similar to the way Air Miles Rewards are a token. Right. And you and that's and Air Miles Rewards are not currencies. And then it, mm-hmm. then but you hear a lot of like, but why do they call it a currency? And it's like, well, you know, you can explain that. But some people, you know, it just they're not um, ready for that early adopter stage of the technology. So when people are looking at, you know, the ease of use of using dApps and wallets and, you know, MetaMask type wallets that are browser extensions or ledger hardware wallets, uh, that ease of use is very, very low. It, it takes a lot of time and effort to, to figure out what you're doing and how it all works. And, you know, you got to watch a, a pile of YouTube videos and maybe talk to some friends, read some articles. So there's a, there's a lot of time invested in uh with I think most people that are in in crypto and if it's not them putting the time in they have access to someone else that did put the time in so right. if, you know if I, I'm sitting with a friend which I've done and I've shown him what how it all works you know whether it's a hardware wallet or a centralized exchange and the difference between crypto and tokens and he's going to forget it in in two or three days or a week right yeah. But I'm I'm always there. He can just call me up as as you know someone to help guide him along. People that don't have that, they don't have the time. Then you know I think it's just not it's not for them as whether it's an investor or an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. As a developer, because you guys are developers, um, I think it's like any new tech, right? How much time do you have to put into it? What's the what's the use case for you? What's the demand for you? If you've got customers or um, your employer doesn't want or need blockchain, you're super busy working whatever hours you're working, um, just trying to figure out how to uh, keep on on top of the existing code and libraries that you're working with. Then until something, uh, you know comes out of the blue or the, that demand for blockchain uh, is is presented to you or uncovered as a as an absolute requirement then you know it's an R&D project at that point but my interest in blockchain is that there, the companies that are that are adopting blockchain today uh, or that are basically blockchain first companies that are maybe like the Cardanos or the Hedera's um, Polkadot's even even Ethereum what, you know, whether you call them a company or a, an organization, a foundation, um, depends on how they're structured. But those companies and organizations, foundations, the DAOs, I mean, again, a lot of acronyms, those guys that are going 100% blockchain first, they're, they're, they're going to beat competition most for the most part that are late to the game. Now, that's not always, always the case, right? There's a lot of companies like Apple or Microsoft that were late to the game for, uh, I mean, Apple wasn't the first company to make uh, phones or iPods, you know, MP3 right. players and Microsoft were late to the game on virtualization, but they they found a way to, to wedge themselves in there and, and now they're doing their cloud. So, I mean, so, so I'm gonna- So how does the- Because once I get going, I, I start getting really <laughs> passionate about it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I hope that That's gives good. you a bit of a backgrounder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Yeah. So how do I want to ask you something? How does blockchain um like ensure our, our privacy? Because I know like it deals with a lot of you know currency and everything's kind of captured in a ledger. Um and it's obviously not with cash. You can do whatever you want because 
I look at crypto like it's a currency. I don't look at it from a token or usage perspective because I have money invested in it. But how can it like ensure our privacy? Or can it even? Is that even possible? Yeah, like the difference between like a public blockchain or a private blockchain and and um, that kind of stuff. Like uh, I know a little bit about that, but yeah, like, you know, as a public registry that's decentralized and mm-hmm. essentially replicated to many different people, how does it work for the private part? You know, like, uh, you know, as you know, people are using this all over the place for nefarious and non-nefarious purposes, dark web, you know, you know, onion router, you know, level of stuff. And why would, you know, if they pick privacy as a standard for that, um, uh, like, you know, how does the privacy versus the public work for decentralized? Like, it it seems like, oh, here's the data, but oh, you can't see the data. How is it private, but also public kind of thing? Mm hmm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, in terms of like a the Bitcoin blockchain, and you guys are probably aware, the transactions are public, right? So there's mm-hmm. they're they're transparent, and if you're if you make your Bitcoin addresses, you can have more than one address um, public. Like if you're uh, maybe you're a, a whatever, like um, what is it, Patreon? You put on your Bitcoin address or something right. to to get donations or mm-hmm. you know, profit then people, anyone can see those transactions to your, to that Bitcoin address, right? They can see what mm-hmm. you have um, moved in and out. In terms of privacy, that's your, your. Uh, I think, you know, you can pick 24 or 12 uh, word passphrase. That's that right. private phrase. That's your privacy. Okay. Right. That's, okay, and yeah. that's on a public, public blockchain. If it's a private blockchain, like, um, let's, uh, does it have to be centralized? Um, I, you know, I, this, this is where I, I'm on... still trying to wrap my head around. Cause I think you can have private blockchains that are still decentralized. Mm-hmm. Like Hedera had that model. And mm-hmm. I believe they're changing yeah. it to go more open source where the mm-hmm. node validators and the, and the stakers are corporations like Google or Boeing are on the Hedera. They're, they're involved in, in Hedera at some level. And, mm-hmm. So all the transactions there are a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say they're they're hidden because any any developer can can generate if you anyone that has access to the blockchain um, right. that's distributed uh, is going to be able to see the transactions on it. Now so anybody can blockchain potentially know if I, Yeah, sorry, I was going to yeah, say anybody can potentially know yeah, if I ahead. send Logan some money or any any like developer can kind of get access to that. That information, right? Well, yeah. So if if someone knows that that address is related to you, then maybe you publish your address on Twitter at looking for uh, donations mm, or, or whatever, right? And then they can see that you sent a certain amount of uh, crypto to another address. Now they're not mm. going to know that that other address was Logan's address unless Logan already published his address. Okay. Okay. So, they, so do they just see? Is it just like a wallet code? So like you have your wallet you know, hash or whatever. And it's like this much Bitcoin sent to this wallet code. Is it just like an exchange? Is a ledger just an exchange between wallets, like external pretty wallets? Much. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. So they but, see the transaction of the wallets, but they don't know that this wallet belongs to Rui and this one okay, belongs to wow. Carl. Right, right. So part of and, that privacy is, is in your hands. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, don't, don't, 
publish your um, your addresses. And a lot of uh, blockchains, when there's transactions, they suggest using a new address for, for each new transaction. I see. Right. Yeah, because uh, I recall um, recently, I can't remember when, but there was a certain political leader that was freezing people's crypto wallets. I, I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, that happened somewhere in some country. I can't remember the country, but it was it was something something like, like you're, it's vague enough that like <laughs> like you can't say any more and then there's a knock at your door and your camera goes off it's like exactly. sorry we lost Rui for some reason uh you know like well, he's already said too much so if 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 anyone nefarious or not knows your bitcoin address they can't seize your bitcoin mm-hmm. right is it stored Maybe. locally no it's stored on the on the blockchain the only thing that would be okay. stored locally if if you Went to st- if you chose to store it locally, would be your passphrase, which okay. is your, your passphrase is basically your your private key, right? It, with blockchain encryption, there's public keys and private keys. Mm-hmm. So, and I may be butchering this a little bit, but your your address, your Bitcoin address, look at that as being the public key, right? And with with encryption, you need a private key to be able to allow transactions from that address so that you can send money. You can receive money without using your public key or yeah. sorry, your private key, but to actually go in there and, and send any any crypto out, any Bitcoin, excuse me, Bitcoin out, you need to unlock that with your private key, right? So your private key, if you have a hardware wallet like a ledger or a treasure, your private key is stored on that hardware wallet, which it looks like a little USB key. Yeah. In some cases, it's you know a large USB looking key with a little LED screen on it. It's not yeah. a USB like key. Like a Yubi key? Yeah, but it, yeah, except it's running an OS on there. Mm. So it's not just flash storage. It's got an operating system on there. Um, your private key is stored on on the hardware wallet. If you're using a a wallet like in a browser extension wallet, like with Cardano, they have the URI wallet. Like every blockchain, most of them have their own wallet. Um, then your your key is stored encrypted in that wallet on your in, in your browser extension stored locally on your machine and it's encrypted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and this is where it starts to get like there's a lot of moving pieces in terms of how how you know privacy data passphrases addresses are are all kind of like moved around and then for any anyone that is still new to blockchain and crypto, then they they need to understand the difference between centralized exchanges where you don't have your private key, you just have a password to get into the exchange right. so that you can see the transactions you've done. You can see how much you have in your account for each crypto currency, but you don't own the private key. The, the crypto exchange does. And that's the problem with, you know, like FTX and Mt. Gox, when people, they all the crypto that was lost or stolen, whatever you want to call it, um, that crypto was, if if it was actually purchased on the blockchain or, or transacted on the blockchain, then the crypto stays on the blockchain, but FTX owns, your, owns the key. So they have mm-hmm. access to the crypto. I mean, there's other levels of, of you know, um, shenanigans that went on where they actually didn't even... You gave them whatever a hundred bucks to buy Bitcoin, and they never actually bought Bitcoin. They just took your cash and made it look like you bought Bitcoin and used your I cash see. for something else. So there's 
that's centralized exchanges and that's the same issues that are going on not the same but similar kind of problems that you're seeing with like these you know silicon valley bank or uh you know these right um, where yeah. you think the bank is is you know they call it solvent where they have enough money to 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 uh, do what they're supposed to be able, able to honor and it mm-hmm. turns out they don't and then the, the fear and the bank runs so yeah, yeah. but i, I was yeah. going to say with azure uh, with azure and aws uh, the i don't know but i think that um i think it's all those are all private blockchains so if i knew your address i still couldn't see it i would have to have your actual azure credentials to log in right. to see the transactions on that but to, to go back to your other question, um, so like if it's a blockchain like Ethereum, there's actually data and smart contracts on there. Can I see that data? And uh, I don't think you can, but I'm not 100% sure because it depends on how that data is stored, right? Is that data stored in such a way that you can only see it if you have the private key? Or is that data stored like on, there's a crypto called Filecoin, which people can use for web hosting so you don't have to use like a, a GoDaddy. you can store your web right. your html and javascript right on the file coin that mm-hmm. that would have to be um publicly available so anyone right. can right. load your website so does it depend on the implementation or it almost seems like in your opinion would it be like accurate to say that it's very fragmented um depending on the the technology uh the coin the the implementers and the parties using it and whether they adopt a certain practices or not, or would you say the complete opposite of like, no, it's, you know, it's pretty much standard. Everyone's complying with X, Y, and Z, or, you know, are you, are you finding, you know, and secondly, like, are you finding that a lot of people are reaching out to, you know, resident experts, you know, enthusiast evangelists like yourself and saying, Hey, uh, you know, I'll, you know, pay you by the hour. I just don't understand this stuff. And I really need someone to guide me through that. So like what, like, because it seems, uh, is it fragmented or is it kind of easy? You know, so what I'm hearing, I think it's fragmented, right? Yeah. So, so it's definitely fragmented. And these are problems that certain uh, companies are, or, you know, co- again, company project are working on. Um, look at it, you know, metaphors or analogies are usually pretty good. Back in the old day, if you had a, a VM running on, running on VMware, you couldn't simply bring that VM into another virtualization platform. And then they had converters to convert, you know, a VMDK to whatever the uh, Hyper-V format is. Hmm. Um, I mean, what's, you know, another good example might be you can't, you, you can't compile, um, you know, uh, Pascal with a C, with a C compiler, hmm. right? There's that level of compatibility. You can't, uh-huh. uh, that level of compatibility with with blockchains, it has to be a, it has to be just like you can't run a well you can but not easily you can't run a Mac app on a Windows desktop, right? Right. So these are these are problems with cross chain interoperability that uh, Cardano is working on, Polkadot's working on, and there's a few others so that you can have this ability to move resources, which are essentially either tokens or smart contracts between blockchains, or at least mm-hmm. access them from one chain to another. So if you're writing a DAP, right, DAP stands for distributed application, um, which is just a, you know, an app running on the blockchain. 
again, there's when people when I say the blockchain, a lot of people think there is only one blockchain, just like there's only mm -hmm. one <laughs> there's only one internet. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that think there's only one email, right? Like they don't understand mm -hmm. that that there's <laughs> email servers for centralized email. Uh, uh, ignore the word centralized, but like Rogers email or, or Bell or Google, they have email servers, but corporations can have their, their own unique, distinct email servers. So you, you guys and me, you know, understanding networking and how data centers work. Cause I think, you know, everyone's coming at blockchain and crypto from a different viewpoint. And, right. and, my my understanding of, of already of virtualization data centers you know storage networks um it, it's it's allowed me to look at blockchain once i once i understood blockchain it 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 woke me up to like wow this is there's something really really interesting going on here yeah. I um carl i have a very spicy question for you <laughs> <laughs> Are you, like proponent of, <laughs> are you a proponent <laughs> of government regulation in crypto? I think, now. you know, it's like, I think it's like a rubber band. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a rubber band. I think it was the Dalai Lama said, that used the rubber band analogy that if a rubber band is too loose or too tight, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't do its job, right? So, right. Right. Um, I see. The, the middle ground. Yeah, there's there's got to be a, a middle ground, right? Um, yeah. I agree. I, I think, you know, kind of going back to the usability issues, these are being worked out. The blockchain, uh, you know, the developers working on these blockchain projects. I think they're, mm -hmm. they're realizing that in order to get um, the average person that uses the Internet or email to use blockchain and crypto, they've got to make it significantly easier to use. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I've told friends that, you know, man, like, you know, don't mind me. I talk like I'm trying to, like I'm a, a Bitcoin or a crypto sales guy sometimes when I get going. And I've toned it down a lot because, um, you know, I, I realized that, look, I, when I get caught up in it, in the, in the discussion, it's easy to get, just go off on tangents. And when I'm talking to people that don't understand technology and, and I take it for granted that, um, that I'm explaining it in a way that's not full of acronyms because I'll break it down, but I talk fast mm. and I'm just going on all these, like mm. just boom, 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 boom when I get going. And what what I realize is that it's like, um, you know, the average person doesn't know what they're buying for their investments, right? They're, they're, they're trusting right. an advisor to give them a basket of funds, usually in mutual funds, maybe ETFs and there's that level of trust with their financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And, and I look at blockchain, well, Bitcoin, um, like Tesla owns Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Uh, Square does. There's a few others. Mm -hmm. There may be like two, two to five companies in the fortune 500 that own blockchain on their balance sheets. So most mm -hmm. people that have, you know, some kind of, uh, S and P 500 or, or, you know, retirement plan that has exposure to the US uh, S&P 500, they already own Bitcoin by proxy. Right. Mm. And they just don't know it. And if right. you if you believe Michael Saylor, who is the CEO of uh, MicroStrategy, um, if you if you buy into what what his philosophy and thesis is with Bitcoin, that more and more companies are going to keep putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet 
And, mm -hmm. um, you know, th does the average person need to own Bitcoin? I, I don't think so. I don't think it hurts either. You know, like um, I might be messing his name up, but Chamath Happy Patelia, you know, uh, yeah. from uh, the, the All In podcast. The podcast. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, that's like the num not uh, top five or number one for a while. Like, uh, yeah, I listen to that nonstop. Like he's a ex Facebook, um, I guess just tech billionaire, but they're all like, I'd say, I think almost all of them, except the one, the one host guys, you know, they're, they're like stinking rich entrepreneurs that are super smart, but yeah, Ch Chamath Papalatia, or I can't, I can't pr pronounce his last name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not just him, but I think Kevin O'Leary and a bunch of other guys are, they suggest people hold between one and 5% of their, um, their savings in Bitcoin as a hedge, hmm. just in case. Yeah. And and that, that's still risky, right, to a lot of people. Um, and financial advisors are, if they're not incented, because you can buy Bitcoin through an ETF in Canada and like as a spot Bitcoin. In the U.S., mm -hmm. they, they do not yet have a spot Bitcoin. And then, you know. What is that? Like that, a spot Bitcoin? Is uh, that like wealth simple or? No, a spot Bitcoin means that the ETF actually holds the underlying Bitcoin asset. Would you happen to they, know which and, ETF? It is. Uh, Purpose is the biggest one in Canada. Interesting. Okay. But it, it, like for the average person, then you know, there's the do you buy the unhedged or the hedged bit, uh, uh, ETF, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, there, I think there's two or three other uh, Bitcoin ETFs in Canada. Um, there were some. There are Bitcoin trusts. So there's like if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to go. Oh, this is just too much to wrap my head around. Right. Like, I, like mm -hmm. do I buy unhedged or hedged? Do I buy the mm -hmm. trust or the ETF? And then the U.S., there's no spot ETF yet. They're still on a futures ETF, which is um, not – they don't own Bitcoin in the futures ETF. They're speculating, speculating on the future price of Bitcoin. Yeah. So, and well, that's, you know what that's, I say? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when in doubt, buy the trust. I mean, you can trust it, right? That's my my um, my philosophy. I mean, this, that's not financial advice by any means. Please don't please don't take it. Yeah, you can I trust the trust because it's called trust. I don't know. I don't know if an, enough about the trust. There's a great grayscale Bitcoin trust or crypto trust in the U.S. and I think they have a, a basket of funds where you can pick and choose which cryptos you want to be um, investing in. But you're paying a premium for for my understanding. You're paying a premium for Bitcoin in a trust. So if Bitcoin's trading at twenty thousand dollars in the trust, you may be paying, I think, up to twenty, ten to thirty percent more. Right. So you're paying a premium for it. And then I think a lot of these trusts are starting to wrap things down. I, and I believe because partly because there's the the ETF, the futures Bitcoin that is starting to take more, um, more you know, capital from people. But I think they're they're pushing hard to try and get the SEC to regulate a proper spot ETF in the U.S. I know, I know. There's companies pushing hard for that, but I think that's why um, they're, they're get the trusts are starting to lose a bit of popularity. But I, I'm, you know, I'm not too on the on the. My nose isn't really to the street on that stuff, so my information is a little little laggard. I'll tell you guys this though: there's some really good podcasts that I are sorry um, YouTube videos um, or YouTubers YouTube channels that are mm. talking about Bitcoin and crypto. If you're if you're willing to you know listen to that kind of stuff, um, Coin Bureau, sure. Coin Bureau, yeah, Digital Asset News, 
and invest answers. And there's a few others, but those are the top three that kind of come to come to mind. Yeah, we'll put those three in the links in the in the show notes for the for the viewers so they can check it out. Yeah. You know, for people that are you know listening up to this point, you could probably tell already it's such a depth of knowledge. Like if you don't know, you know, it's it's so hard to get into. Like the elevator pitch for banking is, you know, give me a hundred bucks. Um, I'll keep it at the bank and then maybe I'll, you know, invest or whatever. I'll give you back $105 in a couple of years, whatever it is, hmm. or 2.5, whatever, non-compounding, just annual boom. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good elevator pitch, but the elevator pitch for, you know, it, it's, it's so hard. And like you said, Carl, like whoever can find a way to simplify this for, you know, granny and grandpa that don't even know about Facebook yet. And they want to like put some money into this and you can explain it faster than a bank is probably going to like end up super ahead, but it's hard. You have to mask a lot of that stuff because right now, because of the infancy of the technology and as it's getting more standardized and progressing forward, uh, it's not simplified as it, as much as it can be in like 10 years from now. So, but you know, if you have the I guess the time, the energy, or, you know, someone like yourself, Carl, that can, you know, help someone wrap their head around it. G- getting in early is, is, is good. Like Rui, you know, people, um, and, and I do too, that we're able to put some in and get a lot out. Um, right, you know, right. but sometimes without the, that depth of knowledge or research or that, um, passion that you have, Carl, like it's very difficult for someone that's just, um, starting out. So th- those probably the three YouTubers are would you say like those are good for getting started or where would you say for like newcomers to trying to understand blockchain crypto and like, where would, um, where's the hello world app for, for, uh, crypto, you know, uh, getting started page. Yeah. I mean the, the guys, so those three YouTube channels I watch they're I would say they're like beyond the beginner level, but if beginners are willing to listen and, and, be patient to listen to, you know, a lot of their videos are, are 15, 20 minutes. So it's, it's, there's a time commitment. I listen to these uh, videos when I'm driving to work, driving home. Mm. Um, if I'm on a, going for a hike, I'll listen to them on the drive to the hike. I, I don't listen to stuff when I'm out hiking. I just want to be clear, like yeah. clear of, of, you know, that. Clear mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if I'm doing the dishes, I'll turn the volume up and listen to it while I'm doing the dishes. Sometimes if it's interesting, cause you know, you're going to miss stuff when you're, when you're cleaning the house and listening to a podcast, you, it's just, mm. at least I do. So sometimes I'll go back and I'll rewind stuff or I'll listen to the same podcast twice. I'm calling it a podcast. These are like, you know, 15, 20 minute videos. Some of the videos are a little yeah. shorter, but there, to answer your question, there are other people out there doing uh, more basic videos that are more geared to, to um, people that are just getting their, their feet wet. So, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's exchanges out there. And one of my friends is telling me like, you know, uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, and his wonderful company owns um, BitBuy in Canada. They own Coinberry in Canada. But you have to upload your uh, your ID to these companies, like your uh, right. You upload <laughs> no more privacy. A, a, a not, copy not on your, exchanges. <laughs> yeah, you've got to give an exchange, a private company, your driver's license. If you don't have right. a driver's license, then your passport and your social. I, I think they need your social insurance number and a photograph. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of people are just concerned about that level of security. Um, yeah. Right. Putting information out, they're not a bank, right? Um, yeah. Right. Like I think with banks, you can just go up to the teller and, and give them whatever ID. You don't have to upload it to some mythical um, cloud internet, wherever it goes after that. The other thing with, they call it KYC, right? So KYC, a lot of the companies, the crypto exchanges that that require KYC, they send that K, your, your private data to a third party company to validate it. So now you've got yeah. your data going between all these different places. Um, and it's scary, right? Like you read about and it's data likely data. offshore too. Yeah, how, how, where, is, where is your data going? I think some of these KYC companies are uh, in Ireland or offshore. And mm-hmm. If they're in Ireland, where do they send it to? So your right. data could be going anywhere. Uh, you know, you're. I mean, I you know, I think everybody knows someone that's had their uh, bank account or their debit card or their credit card hacked. You know, mm-hmm. once you hit a certain age, you, you tend to you're exposed to more stories and, and stuff. So that's right. a big, um, that's a big issue too. You know, I, again, I, you know, the banks, if, and when the banks allow people to buy crypto in their retirement plans, like, so you can buy crypto directly, not, not uh, an ETF or even yeah. if it's outside of your retirement plan, but when the banks allow people to buy crypto, I, I say when, I mean, like if, and when then, right. um, then it's going to be a, a a more safe environment for the average person that wants to invest. the um, The right. other thing, the other thing with crypto, as I mentioned to Logan, is that you know, it's not just about about the investment; it's about the actual technology, right? Like, um, like if you care about what crypto is is going to do to change and improve the world, then you have to. In my mind, you have to separate that from from any potential uh, investments or monetary gains. If you if that's something that you're interested in, which, which I find mm. very interesting, because, and I think you have to also do that or trust other people to do it for you, right? Other, right. Like these crypto guys are saying, like these are the these are the tokens I buy, these are the tokens I talk about because they're the ones I'm interested in. I don't like they'll say I don't talk about tokens that I'm not interested in. Then there's other mm-hmm. guys that'll talk about the top tokens that are in the news. Right. But, you know, there's, I think, 10,000 crypto tokens. So how do you know which ones to, to buy? Even as a developer, if you're, you're not interested in the investment, how do you know which one to write a DAP for? Like, I know yeah. when you guys are we're talking about, um, we talk about React. I mean, I was looking at, you know, do I use React? We're talking now web application development, nothing to do with mm-hmm. blockchain. Mm-hmm. So web, web front ends, do I use React, Angular? Uh, Meteor JS? Do I just do I do it in in uh, what is it PHP? Like what do I do? Like and there's all this time and effort and resources. <laughs> if if you yeah. don't if if you don't have like a network of friends to guide you and let you know their uh, mm-hmm. success and failure stories about certain platforms, mm-hmm. and all you're doing is reading Hacker News and these these yeah. reviews, that's what I went through, and it was like oh, it was just so much information to digest and. Then you just kind of just dig in head first and um, and learn as you go. I think that's a lot of a lot, a lot of people do, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if if you're investing, put in fifty bucks or hundred bucks, going small, so that you have yeah. skin in the game. 
and, right. and learn it. Because a lot of these projects, as you learn, as you learn more about them, whether you're developing or investing, a lot of the the great marketing, the great website, the great papers, the the user numbers, all of a sudden, like things you find out there's new information and these are like going down, right? Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've invested in, in, in um, crypto. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I suppose I love losing money. That's why <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it seems to be a trend. But uh, yeah, that's my only brush with, with uh, the whole blockchain and crypto is just direct investing in uh, an exchange, a centralized exchange. Um, which scares me because, you know, their native coin could just vanish and they're finished and there goes my money. But um, that's the world crypto lives in. It's very uncertain. And uh, just like that, it can disappear. Well, Uh, yeah, like FTX, the top, one of the top exchanges just completely wiped, right? If you you have... um money that you don't want to lose in a crypto exchange a centralized exchange whether it's coinbase or bitbuy or whatever uh get yourself do yourself a favor get a hardware wallet or at the very least use um like a browser extension wallet right mm. but their native hardware, token will still like if they go down their native tokens done even if you keep if it in you cold storage have, yeah, no 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 oh well yeah but just don't buy the native tokens <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know like, if you're buying native tokens for um uh, you know what, what? I don't know if KuCoin has a native token. KuCoin or Binance? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're definitely Binance at risk. Of, yeah, you're definitely at risk of of them going into the toilet like FTX did. Right. And that even if Binance as a company is is fine, their tokens can still lose favor, right? Yeah. Um, like the utility of the Binance token is it's yes, there's utility, right? But it's not as mm-hmm. as um, useful excuse me, as, as say Ethereum. Right. Or, or, you know, Cardano is one of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like learn how to use, um, like if you're inclined, learn how to use decentralized exchanges, DEXs. Mm-hmm. So that you're, you're, you know, you could buy your tokens in, um, in a centralized exchange, whatever you buy, like say you buy um, right. Ethereum or Cardano shift move that over to uh your your eye wallet or your metamask or whatever wallet you use and mm-hmm. then you can use like MinSwap for cardano or you can use uniswap for your ethereum tokens and then you're off you're right. off the grid at that point right but mm. then you have those fees right those sometimes astronomical gas fees yes, yes. yeah which you don't so, have in exchanges right right so that's well, that's that's another say. problem for people that are trading in small amounts and just experimenting Right. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what the fees are now with Ethereum. Uh, I think the last time I looked was a few months, but like it was like eight, eight, it was, I think it was 16 bucks a trade. It doesn't matter if you're trading $10 or, or $100, but you're still, you know, 10, 10% on $100. But if you're mm-hmm. trading $1,000 or $100,000, then those fees are negligible. Negligible. Right. And, and right. the, you know, if you look at the, the dollar values that are transacted on some of these um, exchanges. I mean, there's the big, the big guns, the whales are, they're pushing hundred K, 200 K, a couple of million here and there. So the fees to them don't, don't, they don't, doesn't even hit their radar. Right. That's one of the reasons I love exchanges. The fees are extremely low and the more you trade, the the lower the fees get. Right. 
And uh, the fact that you can get in there and snipe something for super low and then, you know, just kind of off it for a little higher than what you paid for. It. And now it they is. have bots on a lot of these exchanges, right, that do it for you, which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, you know, again, it's if you have like, a, you know, 20, $20 of this token, $100 of that token, getting those tokens off the exchange, um, mm -hmm. especially if they're Ethereum-based tokens, you're losing all... It's, it's almost, you know what? Not worth it. Just leave it on there and take some risk. If that exchange goes in the toilet, you know, you're, you're right. taking risk. That's part of, you know, use multiple exchanges. Don't put it, don't just use one exchange. Try and diversify your exchanges. There's an article mm -hmm. today I read, Kevin O'Leary is recommending all of his startup companies that he invests in to put no more than 20% of their, uh, their cash in any one single bank. Mm-hmm. His investment philosophy that he, he announces publicly, maybe he does things differently in private right. rows, but he says, don't put any more of 5% of your net worth in one single asset. That makes sense. He's right. not talking about asset class, I believe. He's just talking about an asset, right? Mm -hmm. You could have 20% in, in, in real estate, but don't have more than 5%. If, you know, again, obviously it depends where you're starting out. If you just have one house, right? Yeah. But if you're, if you have enough, um, uh, you know, money, then be smart and diversify. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I, yeah. So my point is diversify on the exchanges you use. And mm. then, you know, if you get into um, uh, decentralized exchanges and then contributing to liquidity pools. Yeah. And then staking on a decentralized exchange, that's a whole other uh, head spin. That took me quite a while yeah. to understand that and i still don't fully understand it but I, I you know i've been dabbling with that to understand it it's very interesting where that goes i remember you know, going on the wallet and seeing uh 800 return like <laughs> thinking to myself what this is too good to be true this is insane but, yeah uh, yeah sure enough yeah yeah there's tons of tons of them out there that are short-term gains like radio shack has an exchange which i don't know if they're shutting it down i think they're on the verge of another bankruptcy from what i was reading but uh, <laughs> radio shack had an exchange <laughs> i think so among many <laughs> many other yeah. many other exchanges where you know they're offering these crazy returns of like 800 700 percent but then mm -hmm. those returns only last for a certain amount of time depending on how many people get into that pool and then the returns yeah. start to, to dwindle down. diminish yeah and and the look <laughs> diminishing returns, returns. If, yeah. if you have crypto locked into a, um, a liquidity pool on a, on a decentralized exchange and that exchange gets hacked or they go mm -hmm. belly up, then you lose that too. Right. Done. Right. So there's there's a lot of risks involved. It's yeah. Yeah. I said there's a certain amount of complexity and there's just a lot of uh, a lot of information to wrap your head around. So it's yeah, it's certainly not for everyone. The but. What, what interests me, because I've never thought about it or heard about it, is Logan was talking about um, being able to use SQL queries on the blockchain. And I'm like, that's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the blockchain part of it, which is kind of really fascinating in the par private and public parts. And, you know, when I was doing my research, apparently Azure SQL uh, Ledger or SQL Azure SQL um, both have uh, ledger capabilities, whether it's write once, unmodified after, or you can modify, but then it has a centralized private or public 
history table, which is the ledger, um, is free. So if you have an Azure SQL, let's say you don't have an Azure uh, SQL le ledger, um, you can just now with like, you know, in SQL or T-SQL, you can say create table, you know, this GUID for ID, first name, Varchar, whatever. And then you say at the end, when you create table, ledger equals on. And then you have to provide a switch that says, you know, hey, do you want this for write once, read only after, or up, you know, what kind of variant of the the blockchain ledger table you want? But yeah, it's it's free to um, everyone. Like I guess what happened was Microsoft got they they were providing some, I guess, blockchain level of uh, software development kits for various. Like they were in it pretty deep, and then they got out. And then other companies like Oracle, um, IBM, and AWS, for example, I guess has like 25% of some kind of a Ethereum node push. You know, I'm not sure too much. Like the AWS is like, they looked at pretty good for SDK level blockchain-y stuff. And Azure or Microsoft, they're just like, you know what, we'll get out of that a bit. We'll pull back and we'll deprecate those uh, blockchain services. But then what we'll do is we'll introduce more of a blockchain level of product that you can just opt into or it's, you know free if you have whatever minimum tier of Azure SQL. And then you can have some ledger blockchain tables and they you know read and write just like SQL tables. However, all of that public private um, centralized, decentralized part is kind of software as a service or um, PaaS, platform as a service. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. What you do have to worry about is things like performance. <laughs> you know, companies probably don't want to set up Azure SQL Leisure like right away because it is slower, but by design and by consensus, because you mm -hmm. do want to have security, privacy, and validity over performance and Azure SQL and SQL 2022 starting, you know, I think eight months ago have a stored procedure that can be called to validate the whole blockchain. Cause I guess when you insert a row into the ledger, it has some kind of hash, right? But that hash was computed and created by the previous. So if you don't validate the entire blockchain, that's the whole chain of it, Right. It's completely invalid and you could actually, people can say, you know, because that part is potentially public or private, when other people are having a copy of the that part of the data, they can actually run, is this uh, transaction valid? And if, if it's not, they can say, hey, I'm not transacting on that or, or whatever it is, whatever. It's up to the application, you know, like you said, Carl, like React, Angular, Vue, uh, Blazor, you know, Mediator. Uh, Meteor JS, whatever front end you have to show, hey, uh, we were trying to transact that. However, this particular um, source or destination has an invalid, um, all all that stuff. So they're trying to like make it more like, all right, you want to store your history here? Because at the end of the day, like blockchain is just a validated history, right? There, there's no way that they can, if there was a way that the people would alter it or muck with it, there's ways to validate it. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the, I guess when I was looking into it, they were talking about how, you know, a malicious DBA or database administrator could just have access to, you know, tables in a bank and just increase their own, you know, revenue with an update statement, whatever right. it is. So 
this kind of technology allows for no one malicious to be able to, regardless of access. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, do you have, do you have like, um, people in your, like when people reach out to you, Carl, or like consulting and whatnot, what, what, what would you say they're, you know, people that are looking to get help with, are they more on the business side, the consumer side, or would you say it's like a mix and are they looking at software solutions or are they just looking at investment advice or, um, you know, the platforms and understanding A to Z? Uh, well, people don't reach out to me in, in my personal life about crypto. My, like my friends are generally, most of them are just not really in attack. Some of them, some of them are interested in it. Um, at work, I'm selling IT gear and to smaller mid-sized companies and you know, we're selling a little bit of everything, but blockchain, there's some people are interested in it, but it's, it's not there yet. You know, I think mm-hmm. I look at it and it's not just me. I look at blockchain, um, the way like, if you look at virtual servers, you know, VMware and like two, like literally like within the first two years that VMware came out, it was, I don't know, like whatever, like one in a hundred companies were using it. Right now, mm. like it's almost every company uses VMware, unless they're a cloud-first company. Uh, there are a few that, that are using Hyper-V, uh, but I think um, so. I think we're probably, you know, I, I'm just guessing, and it seems to be kind of like a, what everyone's saying that that knows more than I do. That this we're looking at like five to ten years out before blockchain becomes, you know, to the extent that. Uh, like so, the way so, it's like Netflix, everyone's using Netflix, right? Everyone's using email. Um, everyone's using virtual servers. Every almost everyone's using the cloud. Every every like we're probably screen. a good five to ten years away. Yeah, maybe. So three. it's basically going to hit its pinnacle at the same time. Chat GPT is going to hit their its pinnacle, and <laughs> it's pretty much the end for everything. And, uh, uh, right. That's that. And so it's chat not a coincidence, GPT make, makes a baby with crypto. And then it's oh, like yeah, a man. chat GPT and Bitcoin baby that is the AI that just eats us and it's, spits out like Cortana. What did people say? It's, it's Skynet. Yeah, Skynet. Uh, oh, we don't, we're not supposed to talk about Skynet. Oh, shoot, remember? I forgot. Can you edit that out? Sorry, man. Yeah, I will edit that out. Hopefully, I don't forget. Oh, yeah, please don't. I won't. <laughs> How are you guys doing for time? How are you guys doing for time um, here? Yeah, good. Like, we have uh, f- uh, 50, so, like, I'm just going to write down at the 50-minute mark. We'll cut this part out. But um, generally, we can go for another five minutes if we want to like, um, uh, wrap it up, and we could just sure. kind of um, maybe just kind of bring it back. And um, and then, okay, all right. So at um, at 50 and then 40, you guys, you guys see a clock at the top? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so at 50-50, I'll, you know, kick it off again. All right, let's go to the same positions. So I guess, uh, Carl, like if someone's looking to get into this space, like this is my blind opinion and tell me like this is stupid, Logan, or maybe it's a good idea. What I'm hearing, because I'm not like super good like you guys are, like you guys talk the whole time. I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I'm learning so much. So thank you so much, like all the different terminology and stuff. But what I'm hearing in my like, you know, if invitancy can't uh, pronounce that is I should just buy, um, you know, $100 Bitcoin, 100 Cardano and Ethereum, and maybe do that maybe three times in three different exchanges. Would that be like a safe bet? Like, as I'm lo- like looking for the five 
or the 20 second elevator pitch to tell to my grandma. As, okay, hold, as I, hold on. Before Carl gives his more way more wise opinion than me, <laughs> invest stupidly and you'll be stupidly rich. Sorry, Carl, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends what your goals are, right? What, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to learn how to, how to understand mm. and, and yeah, so plant for the, the seeds for, for a larger investment? Or like if you, if oh, so let, let's say that average person that just, um, they're like, oh my gosh, if I don't get my money into Apple or BlackBerry or whatever it was that boomed, you know what I mean? They're like, it's because it's on the rise. Um, what do people just like blindly, it's like the GIC, right? Guaranteed, whatever you're going to get a guaranteed, you know, 2% over five years. What's the GIC level of, I'm going to put in X amount into these three coins or like, I just want to like not miss out on the spike. I expect everything you put in the crypto to go to zero. That's the safest Mm. expectation. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, oh, you know, there's different, you have to have different levels of expectation to answer your question though. Um, Anyone starting out, just use one exchange and learn how to use a, a, a cold wallet, and get it off the exchange. Mm-hmm. Once you hit that threshold, whether whether your threshold is, you know, a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, a thousand, five five thousand, whatever it is, once you hit that threshold, learn how to get your crypto off the exchange. And every some exchanges will be fine, but you, like you just don't know. Kevin O'Leary in that article I mentioned, he said you never know when some black swan idiot manager is going to wreck things, regardless right. of whether it's a big bank or a small bank. You just don't know. That's mm. why he's was saying twenty percent of your company's money max in each bank. So five banks, twenty percent. Um, which tokens to pick? If you're just a beginner, just go with Bitcoin. You know, if you want to, if you want to like know which um, e-commerce, like back in the day, it's like, do you, do you go with uh, chapters or Amazon or, uh, you know, which, which one do you pick? Amazon was kind of like the leader, but now there's, there's so many out there. There's so many crypto projects. It's, I think a lot of people are just going with the top 10 or top 20. Mm. And then you have yeah. to d- just decide, you know, what, how you want to play that game because, um, like like when you you're investing in these projects they they change there's new features there's you know like ethereum went from proof of work to proof of stake and and then the people kind of running the show whether it's charles hoskinson from cardano or whoever is leading that charge they they're going to come into play in terms of you know the people behind it like the leadership of that project uh, the human leadership with bitcoin there's really the leadership is it's very different because of the way it's it, the leadership is focused on on just maintaining that open source code base mm-hmm. um, versus adding new features. So that, you know, I again, it's I don't know if Bitcoin and crypto should be for everybody. I think you have to want it. You have to be willing to put the time and effort into it or find someone that can guide you like like. I've been guiding one of my friends along mm-hmm. and I've had another friend guide me to a certain extent but because I had a better um, uh, uh, understanding of networking and technology. Um, I just went in deep. So he's still, he's my friend, my one friend that got me back into crypto is um, he's looking at it from an investment standpoint. So he still looks at, you know, ripple and um, lawsuits and, and the features that are coming out. But I'm going deeper. I'm looking at it at the, at the network layer and, and 
Uh, it's been a while, but about last summer, I was writing smart contracts on Cardano and Solano just to understand it and get a feel mm -hmm. for how actually very difficult. Um, and that's why I was interested when you mentioned that Microsoft has, um, you can use SQL. I'm not sure. I, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this, but um, as you guys are, I'm sure you're aware, writing SQL queries, you've got to write a lot of code to make sure you're writing uh, queries that are they're going to do what you want them to do, that you're not yeah. losing data or people can delete data inadvertently. And the blockchain is just, it's an extra layer of security and protection on databases if you need it. If you don't need it, yeah. then don't don't use it. Yeah, with Azure SQL Ledger, some companies are just offloading logging, audit logging to the blockchain so they can ensure that if a transaction happened in the application, let's say it's a you know, a baseball application with teams and games and scores mm -hmm. that no one can alter it once it's written. Um, it's just a way of ensuring that data integrity. Um, but yeah, that it's a, it's a good solution, um, you know, for, for that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot that you can go pretty deep, you know. So, you know, for those that don't know, blockchain, you know, and crypto, very tightly coupled, but individual things. And um, yeah, the other thing I didn't know if I told you this, Carl, but I'm interested in um, I'm writing some when I say I'm writing it, ChatGPT is writing it because as we know, it does a majority of our work. These everyone's work these days. And if it if it isn't, then it should be uh, for anyone that is uh, unaware of ChatGPT, you know, download it and, and ask it to do whatever you want so you can um, be uh, work work super smart. Um, but, uh, you know, an API integration layer in C sharp with Stripe, which is like online payments. Cause I believe Stripe offers uh, pay with Bitcoin. So, you know, how you can check out with Apple, um, PayPal, whatever credit card you want. And then I guess it like adjudicates or like, you know, hits a credit card through Stripe and then they take a fee kind of like the square when you run your mm -hmm. credit card through the adapter. Um, but they have uh, pay with Bitcoin. So it'd be kind of cool to offer that as a solution for some of the micro SaaS that, you know, we develop. Um, but yeah, can imagine that like, yeah, I'd like to buy this skateboard. You know, I would like to pay with uh, 0. 0.0000 whatever one <laughs> uh, Bitcoin. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty cool integrations on that part on the C sharp um, side. Um, and the, the only thing else I have, Carl, from like an app dev perspective that we didn't get to is you know how you talked about the front ends with um, all the spa frameworks mm -hmm. for, for people that are just kind of in that, like, where do I start? Yeah. React is huge. Like if you search indeed, like what's the most popular, um, how many job postings there are for a front end developer react is like probably number one. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say that people that are unsure play, play and try them out, see which one you like. However, another good tip is if you write everything in HTML, for the most part, you can plug and play that to all five of the spa right. frameworks. So start with the raw and then you can move it around because at the end of the day, you don't want to write it twice or lose any code when you port between them. And if you ever say, if you ever have HTML or actually if you ever have React, you can probably paste that code into chat GPT and say, convert this React code to Angular code. Mm -hmm. um, I watched yeah. a video right before hopping on this call where Nick Chapsis, who's one of the most awesome um, I don't know, .NET podcasts, you know, he's like, Pretty, pretty. He went from, I'd say two years ago, from like 10,000 subscribers on YouTube to now 150. Like he's just went crazy. Um, but uh, he was, he took a bunch of code from a legacy app in C sharp, plopped it into uh, chat GPT, 
um, and this released four hours ago. And he said, refactor this to be more performant in these ways. And it all compiled, it all worked. Like we're talking about paying consultants big money to refactor and migrate from one system to another. Um, But yeah, um, and if you guys are unsure about what to do, you know, take Carl and Rui's advice and also maybe ask a third party like ChatGPT what you think you can do. But again, don't trust the robot, trust the humans, you know, uh, that that thing's not fully baked. Um, but yeah, those are the only tips I got from a app dev side. Um, anything else we didn't cover uh, today, Carl, that you want to you wanna mention before? Uh... No, but uh, I mean... There's, there's a lot, the, the, these conversations can go on for hours and hours. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, no, if you guys want to, want to do a follow-up, we can do a part two. Yeah. We'd love, we'd love to, um, you know, have you back in. Yeah. Maybe we can go a little bit deep, deeper into, um, a specific part. That's like the most, even more passionate, you know, Carl, when you were talking about how, you know, you can keep on going and going and you got to remember to unacronym for all audiences and stuff. And first off, you did a great job with that today because you did explain all that like you normally do. Um, And I would say that's a very amazing feature that you have because when you get passionate and you just start going down those rabbit holes, people love that and people love to listen to that and learn. So Mm -hmm. that passion is is definitely good to anyone getting into it. Um, So yeah, that would be great. Um, Rui, what about you? What did we cover? Um, Anything else? No, I think everything's been uh, been said. I think it was uh, a lot of information. Uh, that was great information, Carl. Thank you for being here with us. And uh, yeah, we can do a follow-up for sure. We can probably dive into the more uh, technical side of it. It'd be nice to talk about like Solidity and all the, the smart contracts and how they, yeah. they kind of talk to each other because I, I have no idea about that stuff. Although I'm a developer, yeah. I, I haven't delved into um, Solidity too much in smart contracts. But yeah, it'd be nice to talk about that a great idea yeah, yeah. well chat chat gpt's um I, I played with it to do some dsp code in c++ mm-hmm. for you know audio um plugins fx plugins and what would have probably taken me 20 or 30 hours i didn't like you know just a couple hours it's incredible <laughs> yeah incredible. It, it is it's um, pretty scary. i i, I I, I, I really uh, feel that there's a bunch of devs out there or a bunch of people out there with the skies falling approach to developers jobs are gone. I just want to make it very clear to everyone out there because I'm not like a, you know, a catastrophist. Like I would say a lot of people are about developer jobs, uh, even though there's layoffs. I will say, even though WordPress came out with the, you know, administration where you go and, you know, add your pages and stuff, they still hire WordPress consultants. It's one of the the highest demanded jobs out there because at the end of the day, uh, if you think, you know, the market's fried and stuff, you're biased because you're a smart developer out there looking at the market. Like there are people that have no clue about like, Oh, like what is this at all? And they will hire these people. It's just now. And really we said this last time, Mm -hmm. instead of like them hiring three developers at a hundred K a year, they'll now hire you at maybe, or, you know, the, you know, the aspiring developer at 160 K, but then right. not the two other people. Cause they know you'll work the job of, you know, three people with the tools of chat GPT and stuff. You're now right, just right. more efficient and effective. People still need you. The job market's going to thrive because catastrophe is not here. Um, it's just going to make everyone better and more efficient right. and uh, productive. Yeah. I mean, it may reduce the workforce, but 
honestly, that's all speculation. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. So don't worry, everyone. All right, Carl, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Rui, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, guys.